0: Good morning. Good morning. Man, I, how do we get to the last week of love songs? I was looking forward to this for so long, and all, this is the fifth week, and it's going to be over today. I am kind of excited about one thing, though. I can't wait to get to lunch, and somebody who didn't attend New Spring said, what'd your preacher talk about this morning? I can't wait to hear the answer, because I'm talking about sex today. And for some of you guys, if you grew up in real traditional churches, it could be, can, can, can they do that? Can they talk about sex in church? You know what? Not talking about sex in church is like telling Bill Gates he can't talk about Microsoft. Because, you know, it was God who invented sex. And the strange thing is, we hear about sex in our culture today from basically everybody but God. And how ridiculous is that? Because it was God who thought it up. It was God who designed it. It was God who built a man and a woman. In fact, I was just reading in Genesis just yesterday where the Bible says that we are created in God's image. God created man in his image, male and female, he created them. So right at the very beginning, it was God who designed it all up and he brought the man and the woman together. And I can tell you in 2009, however many years we are after the creation, I can tell you that God still has the answers when it comes to sex i tell you what, we get bombarded though, don't we? We get bombarded in entertainment. In fact, I, every time I'm going through the checkout lane at the grocery store with Mary Alice, you can't avoid the magazines. If it's a woman's magazine, in many cases, they'll be talking about sex tips. There'll be, be like five sex tips or send uh, 10 sex things or whatever. And, and, and then if you find the men's magazines, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Our culture is just really saturated. And a, a lot of what we get about sex is ways of improving our sex life, or at least it's attempts at ways of improving our sex life because even as sexual as we are in the 21st century, many people are very unhappy with their sex lives. In fact, there was a word, there was an expression that pretty well came out of the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. An expression that says sexually incompatible. Because there are some people who get together and they may get married and be together for a while, and then it'll come out later on that, well, someone will say, we were just sexually incompatible. That's a euphemism for saying, he didn't make me happy, she didn't make me happy, and I'm looking for a new sex partner. So, with all that in mind, let's talk honestly about it today because many people are, and could be that you came here today, and you would if if we were to have a moment where you could speak to me in an unguarded way, you would say, Mark, to be honest with you, something is not right in my life sexually, and I would like for it to be better. And of course you guys know I'm old school, but I really believe that this is God's message for all of us, that his plan is for us to find our soulmate, our lifelong partner, our husband, our wife, and that we are to be sexually true to that person. As, as long as life is for, for both of us. And I know that that immediately sounds boring to a lot of people, but I, I just honestly believe that that's where great sex happens. And so with that in mind today, I want to talk to husbands and wives. I want to talk to people who may be married. You could say, Mark, I'm single here today. I honestly believe, as I've said all five weeks during this series, if you're single and you believe that somewhere down the line God might have a man or a woman for you, if you're single, you have the opportunity to get on the ground floor of all this. And even if you say, Mark, I'm single. And I don't know that I'll ever be married again, and I don't know that this is ever going to be salient to my situation. Let me just tell you something. Chances are, in our culture, as open as we are about sex, at some point, some friend of yours is going to come talk to you about A sexual situation in his or her life, and you may have the opportunity to save their marriage. You may have the opportunity to help direct them in a way that would be healthy and thriving in their lives. So for all of us here today, no matter where this finds you, I'm I'm convinced that it's going to have a meaning for you, but especially if you're married today, because I want to give you... Ten sex tips for forever lovers. I don't know if that's a good magazine title or not, but that's where we're going this morning. It's another workshop sermon, so if you're taking notes, we're going to fly through these pretty quickly. You can imagine I've got about twenty-five minutes here. We're to have 10, 10 topics. We're going to be on each one of these for just a short period of time. So let's just jump right in. Here is here is number one. And you you would say, Mark, I would expect a minister to say this, but this is so important. And if you miss this one, probably the rest of them won't be all that important to you. God designed sex to be so much more than intercourse. Our culture needs to come to understand that. Because so many people think, and this is what we are taught today, we have been taught evolution for a long period of time, which is that we are the process of a bunch of... Random rolls of the cosmic dice and that there's no intelligence behind any of this And we're just at the top of the animal kingdom and i'd be the first one in the essence of academic honesty I would be the first one to say that if you and I are only animals And we're, we don't have never dying souls inside of us And we're going to go back to the dust and all like kansas saying all we're going to be is dust in the wind I'd be the first to say if that's the case then sex is just an animal physical activity, but that's not the case We are created in the image of almighty god God made sex to be so much more than intercourse. This is why so many people are sexually unfulfilled is they've never really gotten this. I'm going to read an old translation. I'm going to read out of the new King James, but in Genesis chapter four, verse one, the Bible talks to us about sex for the first time. It says Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived now knew there is a euphemism for sex it means that they got together physically. But the the word new there is the correct translation because that is what the Hebrew word means. In fact, for those of you who are Seinfeld fans, the Hebrew word for know there or knew is yada, Y-A-D-A. Turns out God did not yada yada over the best part. Yada is the best part there. Indeed, this was This was a deeper relationship than just sex. In other words, Adam knew Eve, his wife, in the deepest kind of way, and she knew him in the deepest kind of way. Our culture today presents the message that if you have a lot of sex partners, you're going to be sexually fulfilled. If you hit the bars and you meet people, and you sleep with them, and you get a new partner every week, wow, that is sexual fulfillment. I want to tell you, that is a million miles, as some of you know, that is a million miles away from sexual fulfillment. Because the problem is, when you have sex with someone, it is a fraud. Because you don't really know that person. That person is not the most important person in your life. So I think that's what we need to understand from the very beginning. God designed sex to be more than just a physical activity. He designed sex so that two people are not just joining their bodies together, but they're joining their soul and spirit together as soulmates, as lifelong partners. Number two, here's a great piece of advice. Never try to improve your sex life. Instead, develop intimacy. People today are always trying to do things to, you know, to to jazz up their sex life. And some of them will, like, try this technique or try this or or try this contraption or whatever. But, friends, let me just tell you something. Great sex is the byproduct of intimacy. Great sex is the byproduct of intimacy. So here's the deal. If you're going to have great sex in your marriage, what do you have to do? You have to find a way to develop intimacy. Guys, it starts with you. You say, Mark, I think it starts with finding a babe who's really hot. No, it starts with you. It starts with you. Let me explain how. A woman cannot give herself without inhibition to a man unless she feels security with that man. God has just tuned, and I know that you know. not all women are the same, not all men are the same, and I am painting with a broad brush, but I, our, our culture has sold us a bill of goods. Our, our, certainly men and women are equal. That's a fact. And, and I know that for a long time we didn't get that as a, as a culture, and I'm so glad that we have gotten to the place where we understand that clearly. But in the quest to present the idea that men and women are equal, some people went too far in the culture and began to present the idea that men and women are the same. And that is not right. The just like with musical instruments he tuned us to different keys and a woman has a need to feel secure at the top of her list and i think a lot of guys don't get this so how does a woman feel secure by when a man does what we talked about in week one which is honoring or valuing his wife here's where great sex happens when a man will show his wife that she is valued To the extent that she feels secure with him, truly secure, she can give herself to him without reserve and without inhibition. And therein lies intimacy, and out of intimacy comes great sex. So here's the deal. If you want to improve your sex life, guys, it starts with you. Begin to show your wife how valuable she truly is in your sight. This has been corroborated for me with some of the questions that I've answered in the first two services this weekend. Because I, I've gotten questions in which a woman is asked, how can I give myself to my husband if I don't feel valued by him, if I don't feel secure with him? So it begins with this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 in the message. I love this verse as a husband. It says, be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. Great advice. This is where great sex starts. When a man values his wife, when he delights in her the the converse of this the ugly the ugly reversal of this sometimes happens when a man gets involved in pornography and and, and I, I hear this sometimes because men get in pornography and and they don't really understand what the big deal is because they're saying you know what it's just images it's just pictures it's not real and I know that person's not it just it just captures my attention and my for a little while and, and, and you know it's just pornography whereas if I talk to the woman in a, in a marriage where a guy's using pornography for her it's just catastrophic But here's the thing. When a man gets into pornography, his wife says, my husband doesn't take delight in me. He takes delight in someone on the Internet. He takes delight in someone, you know, on a video somewhere. So great sex happens when a man honors a woman, and in that climate of honor and value, she feels secure, and she can give herself to him without reserve and without inhibition. Number three, this is getting a little practical here, but I think it's really important for all of us. Men are affected more by what they see when it comes to sex. Women are affected more by what they experience emotionally. This this bears on the reality that most men do not understand women, and most women do not understand men. And, and here's the thing, when we try to attract the other person in our marriage, oftentimes we will try to go through the avenues through which we ourselves are attractive. For instance, men will try to present themselves in, in a way that affects, that shows sight. Women, on the other hand, may try to do things that attract their husbands through emotional feelings. Um, I, I see this in entertainment. When I'm watching a movie or something and there's a love scene, I can almost always tell if it was created by a man or a woman. Because if it was created by a man, women behave and act and speak in ways that men think they act and behave and speak. On the other hand, if a woman created the scene, I mean, sometimes I watch a scene that a woman created in entertainment, I think there's not a man alive who thinks like that. I mean, when I'm watching Hallmark, I'm thinking, there's not a guy alive that talks like that. Don't even get me started on a lifetime. See what I'm saying? And, and so here's the thing. A lot of times, you know, women say, well, well Mark, I, I was really trying to let my husband know that, you know, I wanted to be with him and I had candles and music and stuff. And that's great. Guys will like that. They'll say, that's real, real nice. But they're attracted by sight. And conversely, guys, it probably won't do you any good to get new underwear. It's just probably not going get, to <laughs> get things going. I think I told you this in Pillow Talk last year. You know what it's like, ladies, when you get out of the shower and your husband is just all eyes... And yet when he gets out of the shower, all you're thinking about, is just dripping water on the floor, right? <laughs> Number four, this is big. This is really, really big. And, and it, let me just tell you, I, I got a question in the first week. And, and, and it came in, I think, I can't remember which one of the three services it came in. But I got a question, and, and we all kind of chuckled at it. But the more I've thought about this question, it's kind of eating on me like battery acid. Here's the question. A guy asked me, Mark, what do I do if I'm not attracted to my wife anymore? The Guys, let me just tell you. Ladies, let me tell you. We live in a culture today in which the culture itself is largely geared toward getting us to be dissatisfied with our personal appearance and the person that we're married to. I mean, it's a lot of it's just Madison Avenue trying to sell us products that make us feel insecure about our appearance. But here's the thing. In our culture today, in entertainment, with the way men and women are presented, if you want to, you can become unhappy with your wife. You can become unhappy with your husband because you can begin to compare them unfavorably with the people that you see in entertainment. You can begin to compare them unfavorably with people that you see at work. I think this is the reason why oftentimes workplace relationships develop. Because when we're at work, we see people dressed at their best. We see them when they're presenting themselves in their best possible way. But at home, we see each other. Well, let's just say, I'm not going to say we see each other at our worst. Well, let's just say we see each other at our least formal, right? So here's the thing. Here's what I've discovered, not only in my own relationship, my own marriage, but also in counseling for all these years of pastoring. I've I've determined that great marriages... Great marriages that have great sex are marriages when, where a man or a woman has determined ahead of time to see their husband, to see their wife in the best possible light, with their best attributes. Um, when you make a judgment about someone your feelings follow. Now, I don't ever get into politics. It's just not my gig. But I want to u- give you an illustration out of politics in a different scenario that shows you how this principle works. If I say the name Barack Obama to you, chances are it'll evoke some sort of reaction in you. Because somewhere down along the line, chances are you've decided you either like him or you don't like him. Now, if you like him, everything he does, you pretty well look at it through the filter of the fact that you've decided that you like him. If you don't like him, You pretty well look at everything he says or does through the filter of that decision that you've made that you don't like him. That's politics. I'm not even going there. It's not my point today. But I'm just saying this. When it comes to your mate, when it comes to your husband or wife, you need to look at them through the best possible lens. I love 1 Corinthians 13. It is the chapter in the Bible that is about love. And it defines love for us. One of my favorite lines from 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always looks for love the best guys hear me well you're going to see your wife when she's her least attractive you're going to see your husband when he's least attractive if you at some moment decide i would be better off with somebody else it's a foregone conclusion if you begin to see someone else as the image of your dreams then you can find all kinds of faults and flaws with your wife but thankfully, the, it works the other way too. If you decide, as I have decided, that my, you decide your wife is the most beautiful woman in the world and you're convinced that she is and you're focused on all her positive attributes, it is an amazing thing how her attraction for you will be off the charts because in your mind and in, 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 in you believe it with all your heart, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. He is the most handsome guy in the world. It, it is a choice feelings follow and by the way could i just say to you for all of you who are young and think you're going to be forever hot (laughs) man time just does stuff you know that (laughs) there are forces like gravity that will do their number on you and it's a choice, man. I mean, you see, here's the deal: value is in the eye of the beholder. And I'm a guy. I love these car auction shows on television. Like Barrett Jackson. Any of you guys like watch that? I love that kind of stuff. Because here's the deal, you know, they'll show these cars and, and, and you know, I'll just salivate and i think, I want this one, I want that one, I want all, you know, all these cars. But, but, but one of the most amazing things to me, for those of you who don't like to watch car auctions or whatever, what, what amazes me is that sometimes people will get involved in a restoration project, someone will get involved in this restoration, like restoring this, you know, 50-year-old car, and they'll spend $200,000 restoring a car that will only go for $50,000. You know why they do that, and they knew it, and they, they do it a lot of times knowing that's going to happen. They do it because at some point, they set their affection on that car. They decided that car was worth so much to them personally that they would even take a loss to be involved with it. Guys, let me just tell you, that is where great sex happens. It happens when a man says, you know what? Not everybody else may see in that gal what I see in her, but to me, she's the most beautiful one. She is the hottest woman in the world. And everybody else can see my husband and think that he's overweight and 45, but to me, he is the hottest thing around. That is a choice. That is a choice feelings follow. Feelings follow. Number five, keep dating. Gary Smalley says this, and I think he's right on. He said that the problem with people when they get married after when they date is that there's this big transition that happens. He says during dating, dating is about curiosity and fascination. Curiosity says, I want to know more about you. That's why when you go on a date, you know, you go to a restaurant, you look across the table and the guy's just looking at you and he's only eyes for you you know he's looking deep into your eyes and he's like tell me about you i mean tell me about what it was like when you went to high school tell me about your family you know that's dating isn't it curiosity tell me about you and fascination you know what you just amaze me like lance's song baby i'm amazed by you that's dating isn't it curiosity and fascination marriage on the other hand according to gary is that marriage is about duty and responsibility who's gonna pay the bills oh we've got We've got the mortgage and we've got the kids. And many people, when they get married today, they have blended families just right. Over. And so it goes from curiosity and fascination to duty and responsibility. I honestly believe that's the reason why a lot of people live together without getting married today. It's because they just want to put off that. They've seen it happen with other relationships. They don't want to go from the curiosity and fascination of duty and responsibility. Here's the good news you don't have to, you can keep dating. I mean, here's the deal. I've been married for a lot of years. Mary Alice and I dated for five years before we got married. We met my junior year in high school. We got married my senior year in college. So we dated for a long time. We knew each other very well. But I got to tell you something. I didn't know her. You know that? I thought I did. And it's the cool thing about being being married as long as we've been married is I continue to learn new things about Mary Alice. And she continues to fascinate me. She is the most fascinating human being on the planet to me. I'm just amazed by what she can do. I'm amazed by what she thinks. I'm amazed by her creativity. And one of the things that has worked so well for us is we just keep dating. You know, I I, I always say, uh, my my goal in life is I want to grow up before I die. I mean, in my mind, I'm still a teenager. That's just how I live my life, you know? And she is too. And we have, in fact, we we were on a date this week and we were talking about just how, just little stuff, stuff that probably wouldn't be attractive to anybody else, we enjoy doing together because the curiosity and the fascination is still cooking. For those of you, that your marriage has gotten a little bit boring. I want to encourage you, go back to dating. Because you haven't learned everything about her yet. She's got depth. She's got feelings. She's got emotions. She's got thoughts. She's got creativity that you haven't seen yet. Maybe you just put blinders on. Man, there's stuff about him. You say, Mark, I've learned everything about him, and it's all boring. No, no, no. There's more to him than you've seen before. So keep dating. i got to hustle. Number six. Guys, this one is for you. Sex is an all-day thing for a woman. For a woman, so men need to be all-day lovers. Uh, one of my favorite writers, I know this is corny, but he said when it comes to sex, women are like crockpots, men are like microwave ovens. Maybe that's the truth to When it comes to sex, a guy can go from zero to 60, you know, like a Porsche. But for a woman, God has just made a woman with more complex emotions. And, and really... And and guys, you you, you probably won't understand this, but for a woman, she needs an all-day lover. She needs a guy who expresses love to her in the morning in non-sexual ways. We've covered Song of Solomon pretty heavily during this series. and, And some of the things we've learned from Song of Solomon bear on this. Do you remember, I think it was in week one, maybe it was week two, where the woman said to the man, I need you to protect me from the little foxes. She said it's the little foxes that spoil the orchard. And guys, if you want to do something sexual in, in a way that will make, make your wife sexually attracted to you, one of the greatest things you can do is just if she's got little annoyances in her life, if you can help mitigate those annoyances, if you can just get involved and shield her from just some of the little stuff that nag at her day, you'd be surprised how big that is to her. Remember, that's what the woman said. Help me with the little foxes, the stuff that's just driving me nuts. And then she said, your words are like kisses. Okay, got to run. Just keep that in mind. We're going to come back to a similar point in just a moment, so I'll develop it then. Number seven, this is one that's just born out of years of counseling frustration. Because... When it comes to sexual issues, I've discovered that there's a strange thing that happens in most marriages. Maybe your marriage is an exception to the rule. I hope it is. But one of the things that always amazes me is that husbands and wives don't talk about sex unless they're unhappy. I've never understood that. It just seems to me, if you're going to talk sex with somebody, you should talk about sex with the person who is your sex partner, your wife, your husband. Man, guys will talk about sex with their hunting buddies. Guys will talk about sex to a perfect stranger. <laughs> women, women will talk about it with their friends, with their mother. That's creepy. <laughs> and, and, and I would love to just sit there and counsel and give somebody a 12-step program, but I want to say stop it. Just talk to your wife, talk to your husband. Hey, listen, I mean, I mean, in, in Song of Solomon, they were doing it. Look at what it says in Song of Solomon 7, verse 6. Your beauty within and without is absolute, dear lover, close companion. You're tall, supple, like the palm tree. Your breasts are like sweet clusters of drapes, dra- great dates. I say I'm going to climb that. It's hard to read that, isn't it? I say I'm going to climb that palm tree. I'm going to caress its fruit. I mean, here is a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. They are talking with each other. You, men... Your wife is not going to know what pleases you if you don't talk to her. Wives, your husband's not going to know what pleases you if you don't talk to him. You say, well, he should figure it out. He should know. He should get that magazine. No, no, no. Talk about it. Because not all women are the same. Not all men are the same. We're all complex creations. I mean, God made us to, to be different. And if something is troubling you, do it, but not in an accusative kind of way. Here, here's, here's the great advice that I give couples all the time is, look, if you've got something big to communicate with your husband or wife, don't wait till you get in a fight. Because if you get in an argument or a fight, the, the truth will come out with a whole lot of pain and probably some things that aren't true that are just said uh, to bring hurt. Talk about it at times when you're not arguing. You know, just say, hey, let's talk about sex. And I think you'd be surprised at how your husband or your wife would be receptive to that. i got to go on, but I never can understand that. Number eight, be creative. Be creative. One of the problems that happens in a marriage is after a while, you know, when children are there and work and all the stress of the day, you know, we can, frankly, we can start mailing it in. Routine. Be creative. Everybody, husbands and wives, this is for both men and women, think. God gave you a brain to think. In fact, the greatest sex organ is the brain. Think. Men, think about your words and be creative with words and mean them. Touch. Be creative about ways of expressing value. Be creative about ways of pampering your wife. And it has to be real. It can't be like, okay, I do this for you, now I have these expectations. It's not like that. It's just a guy being creative about ways of of his wife being attracted to him. Ladies, if a guy is attracted by sight, what would that mean? Be creative. And guys love to be pursued. Numbers 9 and 10 are pretty serious. And a little bit more on this, well, I guess maybe the best way of saying this is, I'm a little cautious before I give you these because I know they can be really sensitive. And I don't want to see anyone get harmed or hurt. So I'm going to try to, to be as specific as I can and at the same time get the message across. One of the issues that a lot of people have is because of someone or something in the past, it's affected their their sex life today we could be talking about just some partner in the past that was unfaithful we could be talking about something as serious as abuse maybe when someone had the sex talk with you they were just terrified of you getting pregnant or getting in trouble that they made sex sound so scary and repulsive that now you have a hard time with it because you still have that coloring that came from the way. I mean, frankly, some of you could have got a real whack view of sex in church. But now it affects your relationship today. So what happens if you you would have to say, well, Mark, something has happened, or someone in my past has given me a really messed up view of sex, and it's affecting my relationship today. What do I do about it? Well, number one, bring it to the surface bring it to the surface. Here's what you can't do. And I've seen this happen so many times because there there are people that are are wounded in this area of their lives and they can never really fully give themselves to someone else. And so they will seek a relationship, but what what they will try to do is they'll try to manage the other person's expectations. In other words, what they're trying to do is to continue with a, a messed up view of sex, And want to be in a relationship, but they've got to get their husband or their wife to the place where this person will say, Okay, I will expect this and expect no more. They will try to manage it. Well, there is a place for sympathy, and especially if you've been abused, and there is a place for understanding, but there's not a place for accepting the status quo. Help is available. They're they're therapists, Christian therapists, Christian counselors, Christian psychologists, Christian psychiatrists. This is what they do. And there is help. There, there, there There is, you know, treatment. There is help that's available. I want to plead with you, do that. Because remember this, it's not like your partner has other options. If he or she has committed their lives to you, you are their only option. And it's not reasonable that someone in the past or something from the past should overshadow and control your sexual relationship today. Number 10, I want to end where I started. Sex is first spiritual before it's physical. When God made you, he didn't, he didn't make you just a human body. He made you a trichotomy. You are 3 parted in body, soul, and spirit. Sex involves all three parts. Frankly speaking, the soul is the mind. The Spirit is that part of us that has an apparatus for communication with God. So you are all three things. You are physical, you are soulish, mental, and you are also a spiritual person. In sex, in sex as God intended it, a man and a woman come together physically, they come together mentally, and they come together spiritually. Spiritually. What messes up sex with so many men and women is their expectations of that other person to supply them with only what God can give. There are so many men who are looking for that woman who will make them happy. There are so many women, and I hear this articulate sometimes, Mark, I'm looking for that guy who can make me happy. Could, Could I tell you, if you're thinking that there is another human being who can make you happy, you're putting somebody in a very unfair place. Because there is only one person who can meet your deepest needs. There is only one person who can give you value and worth no matter what, and that's God. Do you know what? When you open up the door to make God first in your life and you invite him in and he comes in to live in your life and you're drawing your satisfaction from God and you're drawing your self-image from God and you're drawing your purpose from God, that's when you're free to love another flawed human being. But if that other human being has got to be your God, he will fail you and you won't want to go to bed with him. If that other human being is a woman, she will fail you and there will be a time when you will say, I really don't know if I can spend the rest of my life with this person. I was reading a Christian author <laughs> this week and his words kind of got me for a moment until I realized what he was saying. He said, most of us just need to fire our spouse. He said, we need to release them from the role of being God. He said we need to release them from being responsible. Listen to what he said. Release them from being responsible for our moods, our attitudes, our words, and our actions. And when you get to that place where you look across the breakfast table at your husband or your wife and saying, I'm not demanding that you make me happy. I'm not holding you accountable for my moods, emotions, words, and actions. Then you are free spiritually. Spiritually. To love that man, to love that woman is your life partner. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've experienced today and what we've learned. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just make these things very real to us, especially those of us, Father, who are married. God, I pray that we won't just mail in, that we won't get routine, and we won't just let this all-important subject failed to have the importance that you wanted to have in our lives. Help us to see it your way. Father, I pray for those who have maybe here today and, and, and they've gone from partner to partner to partner and they've never really gotten any satisfaction, true satisfaction. I pray, God, that you will help them to understand it. If they will, if they will follow your path, they will enjoy life the way you want them to. Now, God, please help us tailor-make this message for each one of us as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me for one more moment? I've thrown a curve at you at the end of this message. I basically said that sex can never be what God wants it to be until God is in your life. How does God come into your life? Is it by becoming a part of a religion? No. No. Is it by learning the rules of a church? No. Do you know that God will come into your life if you invite him in? And and it kind of goes like this. the, The relationship that God wants to have with you, he wants to have a forever relationship. And the only way he can have that is you and I have to have our sins dealt with. All of us have done things that are wrong. And when you and I do things that are wrong, as all of us have, there's only two ways of paying for it. Either we'll pay for it ourselves in a place that God calls hell, that he didn't make for people in the first place. Our sins will be paid for by somebody else paying for them. God loved you so much that he didn't want anybody to go to hell. And he sent his only son. That was the only way it could happen. He was God and human at the same time. Lived a perfect life. And then after living a perfect life, he lay down willingly on a cross. And for six hours, God punished him for all the sins that you and I have ever committed. So that when he died the way God looked at it, all your sins, all my sins have been paid for. It's as if God wrote the human race a check, paying for our sins. But a check must be endorsed. In other words, we must receive Jesus. God is a gentleman. He won't force himself on anyone. And if you've never invited God into your life through Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. That's why I pray this prayer every weekend. I'm going to pray this prayer slowly, and if you want to pray it with me, you can. You can pray it in your heart, or you can pray it out loud, just however you want to. But here's the prayer that invites God into your life. And these aren't magic words. You can use your own words if you wish. But pray with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned against you, but I believe you died to pay for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and make me God's child. I trust you with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this is happening all quickly, but when you came in today, you got a worship folder. Part of it's detachable. On the part that's detachable, is a picture of a little vinyl packet. I've created it for those of you who just prayed to receive Christ. It's got some DVDs and great information to know what help you know what you just did and the next steps to take. It's my gift to you. It won't cost you anything. If you just pray with me to receive Christ, would you t- detach this card? Put your name and address on there. We're going to receive an offering in a moment. You can just check the box that says you prayed to receive Christ. If you've got your name and address on there, you can drop the card in the bag. I'll mail it to you this week. I know we're crowded, but if you've got a few extra minutes, if you can stop right behind where those cameras are in the foyer at a place called Guest Services or New Spring Store, you can just bring this card to them and say, I pray with Mark. You don't have to say anything else. They won't stalk you or ask you any question or anything. Just say, I pray with Mark. They'll give you the packet, and you can take it with you today. Guys, we're going to get ready for the offering. By the way, when you and I'm talking to New Springers now. If you're not a New Springer, please don't feel any pressure. But when you get ready for the offering today, please don't forget missions. This is a really key time of the year for us when it comes to missions because Judgment House is coming up. Thousands will come in our doors to be part of this. And so when you give to missions, it goes partially to take care of Judgment House. Please remember that when you get your offering ready.